episode 41 of Talking Toro. We're back. Rob, um, I'm just going to reassure the listeners that um, despite all the Aperol spritzes you drank in Italy, you've not turned orange. Um, uh, how was your trip? I definitely, was... after, after a couple of, after a boat trip to the Cinque Terre, I was definitely pink for a couple of days. Um, yeah, April, uh, <laughs> April in Italy and uh, yeah, a pale uh, Midlander doesn't really go together, but yeah. Nice to nice to get some burn, but I uh yeah, back in back and ready to go now for um for the podcast obviously. But yeah, no, very good. Um where where, where where was the best Aperol spritz out of interest? Ooh, best best is in like cost in cheapest or like the actual best one? Best one. Best one. Ooh. Um Probably, I think, because I think I, I think I asked my fiance this, which was her favourite one. I think she said there was one in the Cinque Terre, where she, where that, yeah, they put a lot of Aperol and a lot of Prosecco in it. And uh, ironically, the the most expensive one was probably the worst. So, it, again, if you're into into Aperol spritzes, this is probably the Aperol spritz podcast. Um, but yeah, it, it is a bit of a strange thing because sometimes you'll you'll um, so we paid five euros was our cheapest and twenty euros was our most expensive. Um, wow! But yeah, but and quite a, and, quite a gap. And I also understand you took your fiance to to Venice, and you did, um you decided to meet Christian Molinaro. Yeah, I did what one. I did what all um that all men should do. They take take their partners to the um take their partners to Venice as a romantic trip and end up going to the to the football stadium uh, and meet ex Torino left backs. Um, I'll, I'll start with that story. Because it was almost a serendipitous moment where, you know, sometimes you think like this was fate. So I'd sort of put the idea into into Emma's head that I wanted to go to the stadium whilst we were in Venice. Um, it didn't go down particularly well the first time I suggested it. But then I was like, oh, well, I'll just wake up at like 7am on one of the days. So we instead there for two nights. So it was like, oh, I'll wake up at 7am and just head off to the stadium. Uh, you need to get a boat to get there, obviously. Uh, and then I come back and then sort of you can get ready and then we'll go out for the day. Um, so I was like, oh, that's like the best way to do it. Obviously, I'd be at the stadium at 8, <laughs> sort of 7.30 so are you, in the morning. are you assuming the stadium's just going to be open or are you going to walk uh, around I, it? I, was, I, I mean, I'm a bit of a football geek. I'm sure you're aware of this, Peter. So I, I'm not adverse to just walking around football stadiums. I, I, did, it in, I did it in Stoke. Um, when we and I went to the Port Vale Stadium just for a little walk around. I know you're not allowed to get into the stadium, although the the lower level stadium you go to, the more accessible they are. So, I've, so lower league stadiums, you can especially in Italy, you can just sort of walk through if there's an empty door. But yeah, enough about my trespassing. Um, but yeah, I will just go to places and go to the stadiums just for a little walk around. So uh, when we went to Ireland, I went to the Sligo Rovers Stadium. Um, Went to Dundee, went to Dundee United Stadium again. Just, just have a little photo, just a little walk around. Go to the club shop if they've got one. And um, I just thought, I'm not sure if I'm ever going to get. I would love to go to a Venezia game just because I think it's a unique thing in world football. That obviously the only way to get there, I think, is by is by boat. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll go when I get the opportunity. Not sure if I'll ever go to a game. There's talk that they're moving, they might be moving the stadium to the mainland as well. Um, so yeah, I I get there. And at sort of get off the boat, it's probably about a five minute walk to the stadium. And it just looks like I'm just going to get like a maybe a 
a photo of a turnstile from outside the stadium. Luckily, I'm quite tall, so I can sort of see maybe a stand, but you can't see any of the pitch. We're walking past, um, and there's an open door for like the press VIP area, and there's three men sort of approaching to go into that door. So I'm thinking, oh, if that door's still open by the time I get there, there's a chance that I can sort of sneak in here, at least get a little little view of the pitch. Um, and what? so as we get closer, the three guys are still in this doorway, and I look at them and I think, that's Christian Molinaro. But I don't say anything. At that point, I'm like, I just say hello, I think, and... Uh, one of the gen- one of the three guys says hello back to me. I'm, I'm, I'm probably was a chat. So walk around, walk to the end of the stadium, get a photo just at, from outside the sort of away section where they've got some Venezia uh, graffiti on the wall and a sort of sign. Walk back and that door's still open, so I'm thinking, oh, got a chance here. Are you uh, wearing? Are you, are you wearing? I'm, wear, I'm, wear, I'm wearing. I'm wearing. I'm wearing a Torino rain jacket, which is probably what maybe. <laughs> probably saves this story from being a bit weird. I think if I'd have just turned up to the stadium just wearing a normal jacket, they'd have thought, who knows, it's just weird English person. But obviously, as I'm wearing this Torino rain jacket, Molinaro and who and who he's with, which we will get onto, um, probably becomes a little bit more nor- <laughs> more normal in the surreal circumstance. So I walk past. Uh, again, door's still open, and I see this as being my opportunity of like, Getting a, basically, I just want a selfie with Christian Molinaro. Um, Words I never thought you'd hear you say. I, I, I mean, I'd have taken it with any like, given the the surreal nature of it. I'd have ta- even if I'd seen like, not even sure of like a comparable player, but even like I, I remember. So when I first see him, I because I knew Molinaro played for Venezia when they were in Syria, and I assumed he'd retired. I was just thinking, is he still a player? Is like, was it definitely him? So I Google him quickly on the walk past and realised that, yeah, he was appointed their technical director in the summer after he retired. And I was like, okay, so everything makes sense to him. Uh, and I'll get onto the reason why he was there in a second. Um, so, yeah, walk past him and basically just go through this door and then say, <laughs> I think I say, Christian, as if I know him. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, he sort of responds and then sort of, I don't know if he sort of he just doesn't look. He does, at this point, I'm. I I feel like Emma's still outside the stadium at this point, but I think she has almost followed me in, thinking, "Oh my god, where on earth has he gone?" Um, and I sort of, I, yeah, walk into the stadium, ask, like explain to him in my sort of poor Italian, basically telling that I'm obviously an English Torino fan. Thankfully, he speaks amazing English, and um, so yeah, we just have a have a little conversation, ask for a photograph, Emma. Emma comes in and takes it to me and takes it for me. And then I um and I explain and just like that and so at this point he re- he he rather embarrassingly has to explain to me that their sporting director, who is also there, he's also an ex Torino player, uh Filippo Antonelli, made two uh, ten loan appearances in the um Serie B seasons. So this was the season where uh the David Di Michele birthday party season, which I think we've discussed on this podcast before where obviously half the squad gets um sort of culled between um sort of January and the and the sort of playoffs and we end up getting to the player final and lose to Brescia the, the Rashid Arma game. Um 
I have no, I, I almost recognised the name, but obviously I would never have recognised him if he'd walked past me in the street, as I, I, evidentially I didn't. Um, so yeah, it was a little bit awkward that you had to explain to him that, that we, there were actually two ex-Torino players in, in the room. I didn't even, even after he told me, and I felt a bit bad about this, even after he told me that you played for Torino, didn't ask him for a selfie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and then afterwards we went, to, went for a drink and I was like, Ten appearances, like I googled it, it was like ten appearances. I don't think he made that many. He couldn't have made ten starts. There, were, there was um, that was a season of about forty players, though, wasn't it? Yeah, so, but he yeah. did start the first leg of the playoff final against Brescia. Um, so yeah, I, I've, I must have seen him play, but um, yeah, I, I sort of got away with that pretending it was a little bit before my time, but technically it wasn't true. Um, so yeah, anyway, so I explained to him why I became a Torino fan. Explained about Grande Torino, and then uh, he speaks to. Um, Molinaro speaks to Antonelli in Italian and basically says, oh, I've got something to show you. So we walk basically through the, um, so it was like inside of the stadium. We walk outside past the pitch. Uh, I, I, now I, I'm doubly happy here because not only have I got myself with Molinaro, not only am I sort of walking down the pitch. So I, I do try to take a photo um, and Antonelli does ask me not to do that. Um, because there's players on the pitch, so basically it's a, it's a training session ahead of their game the next day. Um, I did think that might have been a little bit too much of a of a ruse for a Palermo scout to, to go to that <laughs> length to try and um, try and get the um, inside knowledge um, to dress up as an English um, tourist in Venice wearing a Torino jacket. But uh, yeah, obviously I, I took it <laughs> took his advice on board and just apologised and yeah, didn't take any photos. Uh, and yeah, and then they show um, a memorial which is in inside the the Venezia Stadium, which has got um, I think it's for all the players, ex Venezia players who passed away, obviously at Grande Torino, and I think there's also a player in the um, who died in the Second World War. So there's um, the um, Aldo and Dino Ballerin, uh, Matt Solo and like. Um, so yeah, they were just. I'd to be honest, it, you. It was quite a surreal situation, the whole thing. Um, but yeah, it was quite a, quite a cool anecdote. It's like the last, our last full day of the holiday as well. So to go to the stadium, I'd have just been happy just with a photo outside the stadium, to be honest. But yeah, to be able to go in there and meet an ex-Torino player, I actually, I mean, I'm not sure if I might have to go back on this podcast and, and double check that I've not said anything negative. But I actually think Malinaro was quite a, um, yeah, I think he did quite a good job for Torino. And as soon as we're, well, I, I, we're, we're, I, best, we're best friends now. I suggest revisiting the blog you once set up, and I'm going to read every single pagella you did for Christian Molinaro. I was, oh, actually, right. I was actually hoping that he was going to walk you to the sea and, and throw you in for some comments you've made about him in the past. So. No, no, no. I think it, we was it, no, he was very, very, very nice guy. Um, yeah, I think, and, and bear in mind that obviously it was the day before they like Venezia not having the, the best season Serie B day before a game to actually take the time to not only. And not only sort of have a, a polite conversation with a, an English Torino fan, they kind of basically just, as soon as I asked for the photo, just sort of try and get rid of me as quickly as possible. But to actually think, oh, actually, there is something in the stadium which a Torino fan is going to really appreciate, I thought it was a, a, a classy touch. And I had, <laughs> I, I did, I, I had um, almost sort of shot myself in the foot the day before where I'd gone to the Venezia club shop and I've, I have referred to the club as being a um, a fashion brand masquerading as a football club previously in there. Um, 
their club shop uh, next to Rialto Bridge doesn't <laughs> doesn't do anything to change that fact. Um, oh. Never seen such a sparse club shop in my life. But I think the cheapest thing in there was eight euros, and then the only other thing you've got to buy is either a scarf or a shirt. Um, so yeah, very strange um, club shop. But yeah, no, I'm, I did almost make that point on Twitter. I'm glad I didn't in case um, <laughs> in case uh, and I saw it. But no, it was a um, a very nice, very nice classic, classy touch, I think, from um, Molinaro. And yeah, like I said, added a little bit to my trip because on the pitch, um, things were not as good. So I quickly maybe mention that. Yeah, well, I, I, lovely story. I think yeah, you you put your pitch in for to do a Christian Molinaro cult hero series. I, personally, I think Molinaro is one of those left backs who we probably bemoaned a bit when he played for us. Uh, he was pretty steady and he was there in, in some of our better seasons. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think he was probably one of the more maligned. He was that kind of slight Medjurini, um one of one of Ventura's favourites. But then if you compare Molinaro to some of the left-backs we've had before and after, um, yeah. which m- might get us on to some of the games recently, then yeah, he's, he's he was a lot stronger, more consistent player at least. And, um, and something that I actually like, an actual left footer playing at left back, which is a, a rare, a rare concept for Torino in recent seasons. Yeah, I wonder if he learned his English playing in, in the Bundesliga. Yeah, as well. I, I, I figured that potentially. I know he had spell at Stuttgart, and whether whether um, English is going to be an easier language to to learn and be able to converse with than than German, I'm not so sure. But yeah, no, him and Antonelli both spoke really, really good English. Which, even though my Italian did get uh, incredibly did get uh, complimented whilst I was uh, in Italy. I don't think I'd have had much of a conversation if I'd had to do it in Italian. Very good. Well, shall we? Um, we've got two two games to talk about. Should we start with with Roma maybe before um, a little interlude? So hands up time. I didn't really. I didn't actually watch the Roma game. I was um, well. I've I've heard it be described as the most boring Torino match in several seasons by a few Torino fans. Um, so I haven't watched it. The only only comment, uh, two comments I'll make on the Roma game. One is the uh, I've that even the highlights on the Serie A YouTube are about ninety seconds long. Um, I thought the Barlas penalty was massively telegraphed, um, and I think Vanya knows it. As judging by his reaction, he should have just he should have stood stood up to it. And the second one was, and maybe maybe we just need to let go and not talk about this guy anymore. But I just I did wonder how the Bellotti, um, the first time Bellotti's back in Turin since um, creeping out the back door and not saying goodbye last season. And I did wonder how that would play out. And I ultimately, we joked before that Mourinho was going to make him captain, but. I think Mourinho did the other shithouse thing, played Sol back and and kept Bellotti on, kept Bellotti safe on the bench. But yeah, I was just, I mean, I, yeah, it was probably the game, it was definitely the game of, that I kind of least engaged with this season. But I was a bit, I was kind of, I don't know, I don't really know why I, I care, but um, I, I did wonder if Bellotti was going to come under the quarter at some point, or but maybe his wife didn't have time to write him a note this time, so. Um, yeah, so obviously nothing happened with Bellotti apart from the, I saw the, a quite it was almost like English humour banner from the ultras, which went something like um, "If you don't play, we can't insult you," which I thought was quite funny. And uh, uh, being obviously being in the stadium, 
the only obviously with him not playing I, I i had to ask you what the banner said because at the angle i was at i could only see sort of like the the latter half of it um but the the reaction obviously the only reaction we were able to hear was just when the teams were, were read out so obviously when the roma team was read out and the substitutes were announced there were quite a few boos but also there were quite a few people applauding so I do think it would have been interesting had he came on what the reaction would have been I think it probably would have been maybe I think obviously boos are a lot more audible than than applause so I think it probably would have just that would have probably drowned out any applause but I, I posted on Twitter as well I mean there were two fans in front of me wearing Serena shirts with Nan Bellotti on the back so I think it is. I don't think it is as sort of cut and dried as this is a figure of, of somebody who Torino fans hate. I do think there is a bit of a nuance to it. Even the banner, it's not really that critical of a banner. It's almost like saying the humour, a bit of tongue-in-cheek, a bit of a joke. I don't think he would have got a terrible reaction. I actually think Immobile, when he first came back, he did play and scored. I was at that game also. Um, he probably got a, a much worse reception, I think, and was whispered every time we touched the ball. I'm not sure Belotti would have got that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting to see. And uh, unfortunately, the, the manner of the game, them getting it, that, I mean, the early penalty killed the game to me and if that is okay. Um, I'm not sure if you would have seen that in the highlights, but obviously it's the, it's the Scherz handball, but it was an error by, by my friend Alessandro Bongiorno who gives the ball away in the final third, in sort of, sort of in the defensive area. Allows Roma to attack. The shot comes in, and and Shears again makes a makes a great save. Um, but it's it was that sort of killed the game. That if there's one team in Serie A you don't want to go one nil down too early on, it's probably Jose Mourinho's Roma. They were happy just to take that one nil win. Um, and yeah, there was no there was no chance of Blatter coming on because that was going to risk maybe getting the crowd up and and giving a reaction. I think the only way he was going to come on was would be if Roma needed a goal. Um, I think they were more than happy just to sort of see out the one nil. It was yeah, it was a dual game. I can't, there's no sort of saying it, it, the only positive thing, despite it being a terrible game, um, like the atmosphere was still good. And it, I think having those back to back home games where obviously we'll get onto Salernitana a little bit probably has made where this, the performance has been quite similar, possibly in in terms of not many chances created and. Again, against Roma, I think, yeah, probably don't expect to win the game. But, yeah, Salernitana, I think the performance was probably equally as bad given the the, the difference in the quality of the opponent. Um, but, yeah, to end on a positive, my pre-match last year was, uh, was very good. That's good to hear. That's very good to hear. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's probably trends between the last two home games, which we can talk a bit about in, in part two in second. Um, so... A couple of pods ago, we did the quiz and um, we quite like the Wikipedia uh, Toro players guessing part. Um, so new weekly uh, addition to the pod is before the little break. One of us will uh, challenge the other one to a Wikipedia player and you can play along at home and we will re- reveal the answer in part two. Um, I think every week will be a bit different in terms of the level of information we give. So in this play, I've decided not to give you the years, Rob. Okay. But I will give you the teams and the appearances and goals. Okay. Uh so even if you know it, if you could save it, uh save your reply for the beginning of part two, just to give everyone else a chance. Um are you ready? 
I'm ready. So this player started his career at Torino, 28 appearances, two goals. Then he went on loan to Inter, 27 appearances, one goal. Um, Then he went to Juventus, 49 appearances, one goal. From Juventus, he went to Parma, 172 appearances, 19 goals. From Parma to Lazio, 44 appearances, one goal. Then from Lazio, two loan moves. First one to Blackburn Rovers, nine appearances, one goal. And to Ancona, nine appearances, one goal. It's almost like Wikipedia may have uh, copied and pasted there. Who knows? Um, then he saw out his career, Triestina, 13 appearances, no goals. And then one appearance for Tom Bolo, whoever they are. One appearance, no goals. Um so without really answering, you got a clue who it is? Do you think you know who it is? I have absolutely no idea. That's quite embarrassing. Do you want me to I've read got... the, do you, do you want me to I'll read them again just for, for anyone at home as well? I've seen you've uh, been making notes, but yeah, so uh Torino twenty eight appearances, two goals, a loan to Inter twenty seven appearances, one goal, uh Juventus, uh, so a permanent move from Torino to Juventus after the Inter loan, forty nine appearances, one goal. Bulk of his career, Parma, 172 appearances, 19 goals before going to Lazio, 44 appearances, one goal. A couple of loans at Blackburn and Ancona, both with nine appearances, one goal. Uh, Triestina, 13 appearances, no goals. And Tombolo, that famous game for Tombolo, mm. one appearance, no goals. In my notes, so, I've, actually wrote, I've actually written Tombola. There you go. Well, maybe if you, if you spelt it right, it might help. <laughs> there you go. We'll see. So, yeah, let's see everyone. Well, we'll be back for part two. We're going to play in, uh, as we're playing Lazio this weekend, we'll play in a bit of uh, a bit of Ciro Immobile. Why not? The Lazio captain, Ciro Immobile, hits the post. The rebound. Celebrations for Torino. They feel vindicated. Welcome back to Talking Molinaro. Um, that was an audio clip of... The missed penalty from Chiro Immobile has ultimately helped Torino survive a few seasons ago. We'll, we'll talk a bit about Lazio and Chiro shortly. Rob, um, I left you with the Wikipedia guest player before the little break. Um, not that I meant to, but it was someone who'd played for Torino and for Lazio. Did you get it? Unfortunately, I did not. I'll, I'll, I'll hold my hands up. I do know who the player is before you reveal it. Um because I could, and I'll, I'll explain why. So I've, I've, I'm, I've not cheated, but I do do actually know the answer. But because the only, I can only think of two players, two Italian players who played for Blackburn Rovers and Torino. So they were, uh, sorry, but just Italian Blackburn Rovers players. So not even Blackburn and Torino link. Um, so they were Lorenzo Amoruso and Corrado Grabi. And obviously, I knew neither of those played for Torino, so it couldn't have been either of those. Vince um, Grello played oh, for Torino. Very good shout. Very good shout. Um, so yeah, I um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you announce it to the to the listeners at home. Yeah, I think I think a few of our listeners would have got this because um, some of them are from a certain vintage. Yeah, the answer is Dino Baggio. Who I think a lot of people forget started his career at Torino. It was a bit of a yeah. It's always a bit of a weird one. He could have been. He was a very young player um, when we ha- kind of had those glory seasons, but he he would have been a very good player to have had around. 
probably one we sold we sold a bit early. Um, but yeah, Dino Baggio and uh, is the answer to this week's question. And Rob, um, I will I will let you take care of next week's. Well, I'll, I'll just to just to point out that the Tombolo link was the fact that he actually started his career there. He started his, uh, started there as a youth player. Tombolo, um, and then yeah, sort of returned for uh, for one last hurrah. But yeah, no, I'll uh, are we going to keep scores as these with the uh, predictions league, or is it just just so there's something else that you can beat me up for the, beat me up before the season's ended. <laughs> Uh, ask, ask me again after after you test me next week. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, just read upon your knowledge of Torino players in the 1930s. Yeah, I'll do my best. Uh, Salernitana. Um, so following on from, from the Roma game, uh, Salernitana came to town on Sunday. Bit of a... Bit of a flat one, wasn't it? It was... The commentator kept saying that both teams would be really happy with a one-all draw. I mean, I'd can't understand for the life of me why Torino would be particularly happy with a one-one draw at home to Salernitana. I don't know what that does for us. Uh, well, um, I'm not. Sure, I'm uh, not sure who the. I'm not, I'm not sure. I did. I just it was something that annoyed me during the game, and I'm not sure who the commentator was. But yeah, it, it, we, sometimes the commentary on on BT Sport is is associated with it. Is obsessed with a narrative, and yeah, the fact that Torino hadn't won in a month was a bad thing. But Salernitana having five consecutive draws being a good thing. But they also haven't won in a month. So I, I know I know that sometimes stats can just be misleading, but I'd imagine that if you actually look back in the in the sort of last sort of six games, Torino would have had more points or at least the same amount of points. So yeah, just I just thought it was a very strange point. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a flip reverse in some ways of the one-one draw in January, in that uh, the same two players scored. Uh, Salernitana took the lead this time. They were probably the, they were definitely the better team for the first. 25 minutes uh, I think Torino were definitely I don't I don't think Salernitana played particularly well in at least in an attacking sense in the second half I didn't really feel like they were much of a threat and once Torino the disappointing thing was Torino were quite good the 10-15 minutes leading up to the goal when I thought okay let's I, I was almost going to put a poll on Twitter like what are these three momentous events is going to happen is this the game we score three goals? No, it's not. Is it the event game we score a last-minute winner? No, it's not. Is it the game where at least we come from behind to win, which we've not done all season? No, it's not. It's the game where we, yeah, lethargically play to one or draw. Juric makes his substitutions a bit too late and too many players for me under par. And, and we've slated him on this podcast, but Nemanja Radonic has been head and shoulders Torino's best player for last month. And it's a strange scenario where a player's move becomes permanent because of the nature of the deal with Marseille. He's actually looked super motivated since he's become a Torino player. Yeah, I I thought he was, he, you know, the the execution of the last thing he does is often either decision-making or technique is not always great. Sometimes Voivoda got in his way as well, but he was the one player who really looked a threat to me. And I'm not sure if that is whether it just is, is good timing for for him being subbed as a sub in the derby and and Juric coming out and and sort of being super critical of him and, and there are even question marks about whether he's ever going to play for the club again. So actually go from there to to where he is now and like say being our most consistent performer in the last in the last month, um, it's probably one of the first names on the team sheet. Just and he's earned, earned that based on performances. I think Juric has come out and spoken that he, he can't play Vlasic and. Morantic together, although it did take him sort of a good three or four months of the season to work that out. 
because they're t- two similar players. Um, so you need that speed. So that sort of suggests that either Adonjic or um, Caramo will always play, and then it will be one of one of the others. Um, but yeah, I, I think my frustration from the game was, it, yeah, it wasn't the first half was absolutely dreadful, um, and then second half, yeah, first 15, 20 minutes we we looked at play quite well. Uh, excellent pass by Moranchuk, who up until that point had been pretty dreadful. Um, I think Sanabria's finish shows what form he's in. I think the Sanabria of maybe pre pre World Cup. There's no, I don't think he scores that. I think it, he he may not even have got the shot away. But yeah, takes the touch and finishes it really well. But then there there wasn't really any urgency. There was no real sort of oh let's go on and win this. And if anything, it was Slonitano who looked like they might have snuck something in the last sort of five or ten minutes. So that's my frustrating thing, I think. Just a point on on Juric, we might end up having more points than we did last season, which I think in isolation you could think of being quite impressive given the players that, that we've lost. But last season, I thought we were a lot more entertaining team to, to watch. We would blow teams away in the sort of first 10, 15 minutes and have a two-goal lead and and it was actually enjoyable to watch Torino, whereas now I do I do worry we are getting back into those sort of Ventura, Mazzari days where it is a bit of a chore. You, you, I don't think anybody this season, or at least since maybe probably even the Milan game that we won, I think that was back in October, I don't think we've really sort of been a really entertaining team, like an entertaining team to watch. I think a little bit, just go through the motions and you know what you're going to get. You're going to get three at the back. You're going to get wing backs who don't score. You're going to get wing backs who don't assist. You get centre midfielders who sort of just, I mean, just on that as well, obviously Richie gets injured. So I don't think we've seen Richie and Illich play a full 90 minutes together yet. Because what no, it's one like, of them are always it's like one, one walks in the, in the party and the other one leaves, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's like, like maybe they just don't like each other or something. But yeah, they they're doing their best to avoid each other. Um, and yeah, and if it wasn't for Sanabria, really, I mean, I, I'm not sure on the stats, but he's probably responsible for for the majority of our points since since Christmas. So it's it's just a little bit disappointing, and I, I'm I'm going to be critical of Juric, which I don't think I've been so far, but he just he's annoying me a little bit at the moment because in every press conference that the question or, or every interview a question about a, re- a renewal of the contracts will come up and he, I I don't think I've ever seen anybody less interested. He's not saying the words, but he's saying everything else but the fact that oh yeah, I'm not I'm not staying. Like I think he will either I think if he doesn't sign another contract, I think there's a chance he could just leave in the summer. Because what's the point in just having another coach for another season who doesn't want to be there really? And I don't actually think his results really merit him to get I don't I, I don't really know what job he's expecting to go and walk into which is a step up from Torino obviously I know he's gone from Verona to Torino yeah he's a step up but I don't think he's 10th last season we're what 11th at the moment could potentially drop to as, as low as 13th um, you look at Thiago Motto at Bologna on a, a much smaller budget has got them playing better footballer and above us in the table you've got Monza sort of newly promoted side around around us in the same place in the team in the table so I, I just 
yeah, I, I find it a little bit strange. And much like when we say about players, with Caramo, you almost attach yourself to players who Torino is their peak and they're absolutely delighted to be there. And you can sort of tell that when they're on the pitch. I get the feeling Juric thinks that he can go on to bigger and better things, whether that's in Serie A or I know there's been links with him going to the Premier League. I'd actually rather... I know I know it didn't really work out, but Davide Nicola... When he was Torino coach, that was that was everything. That was the that was the highlight of his career. He gave everything, and and with better players, he had a pretty terrible team. You do wonder whether actually, if you put somebody in in position, he plays it. Put somebody as coach who plays maybe a, a more attractive style of football with better players, and actually looks like he wants to be there. I'm not sure they do any worse than this year, which, uh, than Juric has with the with these players this season. No, I think there's a perception generally that Juric is doing quite a good job and his stock is quite high. Um, but I think that, and that's in the kind of wider Serie A watching public, I think the Torino fans are starting to ask some questions. I think there's a few things to unpick in what you said. You write about the press conferences. The thing that annoys me kind of is a bit contrary. Like if, if we lose, he's often full of praise for things. And then when things are going well, he just tends to throw a bomb where there doesn't need to be one. So it's there's there's never a lot of think things are never very harmonious for very long. He does this thing as well where he kind of always says the opposition players are better than ours, and I don't think that is always very helpful. Sometimes it's true and sometimes it's it's very much not true. But he he seems to have a good relationship with the players. So again it's what he's saying to the media is might be different from what he's saying internally but it's just it's a kind of predictability to it you're right and I said I've said this countless times the approach to the game is often very good but you know yesterday I was just hook one of the I was just dreading him taking Gigi off to bring Gravion on and like take one of those centre-backs off and I knew it I knew that I wanted to see Caramo but I knew it'd be at the expense of Radonjic and I was just like can you not find a way to get them both on and to have some pace either side not just like for like. And then there's, I don't get what's going on in midfield. Vlasic looks completely lost there, understandably, as it's not his position. But Adopo is clearly, he's, Adopo's not playing because of the contractual situation or something's gone on there. Cause when he did play, he was playing very well. I'm not crying out to see Carol Linetti, um, but he could have come on and been a more natural midfield player. Ginetis has been thrown in very randomly twice. And then... And, and- don't see him, and, but, and I know. But, I think that's because he's too, he's considered too similar to Richie, possibly yesterday. But yeah, just and just to that's that another point I wanted to make. That reminds me. Yeah, that that is something which really makes me think that this this guy isn't here for the long haul. Because yeah, okay, Richie gets injured. That's the perfect opportunity to give Genesis an, another opportunity. And I actually thought he would want to be a better player against uh, better player against better players against Roma. Not that there was obviously a lot of uh, competition for that, but. Yeah, give you give your young sort of central midfielder another opportunity to impress rather than playing somebody out of position. I know we won they were down. Obviously, if they get scores have been level, maybe maybe it would have just been a like for like replacement. But yeah, Vlasic, it was a it's just a strange choice that he okay he can't get in in sort of his actual position, but you're going to play him deeper, which then sort of means that all of his best attributes he's not able to do. Um, yeah, I, I I totally agree. I think there is, I think there's question marks. And even with the, it, like I say, it, it's a bit, 
hypocritical sometimes because obviously he can sort of slag players off or slag um, the sort of the recruitment or whatever off. But obviously the fans, I think there was a little bit of unrest after the game yesterday and he sort of said that, well, it's not really justified. And it was like, well, uh, we have, I, I think the sport's been, been very good this season. And I, I think it is that frustration that at every opportunity that we've had to take this team level, we, we sort of uh, have had this, every opportunity we've had to take this team further or to move on to that next level, we've either choked or just not even shown it. You saw it in the Copa Italia quarterfinal, if we even put in a half decent performance that we put in uh, Florence in the league, then there's a chance we'd be hyping up a Coppa Italia semi-final second leg this in the next couple of weeks. We, you look at Fiorentina, they're they probably a similar sized club to Torino, and they're probably on the verge of a European semi-final, on the verge of a Coppa Italia final, and then are likely still also finish above us in the league. I think that's the the difference. I know. You can have you can criticise Cairo as well. You can criticise the the recruitment and and the players that we've signed, but there there shouldn't be that much of a of a gap. I don't think between the between Torino and Fiorentina, it should it should be sort of one team finishes higher one one year in it, and then it sort of flips over the next season. Yeah, I, mean, I think with Fiorentina, I really like Italiano as a coach, and their investment has been it's been. They've spent a lot more money than, than Torino. I don't think they've always spent it well, but I think what you've seen over the last few months is that they've kind of yeah hit a bit more their natural level. I think they're underachieving. But there's a few things, to, again, there's a few things that last season Torino finished 10th from 50 points and the relative thing was we'd had two awful seasons. So last season was progress. Um, and I think some of this is on Urich this season. Look, the season's not over, but I think the best case scenario now is we finished ninth, which is probably, there probably are eight stronger teams or eight teams with better investment. I mean, I think Fiorentina, Atalanta, Juventus with the points, uh, deduction, um, we could have threatened a bit more. Uh, should, a bit of, I, a, a, just sorry, just to interject, but again, yeah, Fiorentina have got two other competitions. Like if we don't finish above Fiorentina, when they've got two other competitions to concentrate on and focus on where the league's not going to be the priority, to me that's quite embarrassing. Yeah, um, and, it, and it'll be embarrassing to finish like below Bologna, Udinese, Sassuolo, and Monza, which is which is feasible. And then you look at Sassuolo. I mean, they've gone and spanked Roma and 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 Milan away in like recent memory as well. It's not. I don't know. Just apart from those two Milan games early in the season, again, it's it's. And I'll even look at the fixtures we've got left. I mean, even in the best case scenario, there's not, you know, beating Inter on the last game and everyone's beating Inter at the moment. It's, there's not a lot to kind of, there won't be, yeah, there won't be two kind of seminal moments from this season, unfortunately. And I just, and the other thing I worry about is in the past, under Petraki, we owned our players. And actually, there were quite a few summers where we bemoaned, like, not going that one extra player, not getting an extra player in. But we always owned our players and we get into a situation now where we get to this end of each season, we have fewer, fewer sellable assets. So for Torino to, for us to retain all of the players we've got now will cost us something in the region of 30 to 40 million euros. And this is a this is a team that Urich is, is struggling to get into the top half of the table. Yeah. 
So it just, that doesn't add up. And I know we won't spend that money. And I know the likes of Moranchuk and, and, and Vlasic probably won't come back in reality. And I think we'd park that conversation to another podcast towards the end of the season. But again, it's just, we are, we are going to have to sell to buy. And I think we've got four, three players, Singo, whose value is decreasing because his contract's running down and his performances have not been great. Scherz today has been linked with two Premier League clubs. And then and then there was Richie's... I mean, I don't even know if we haven't even paid for Illich yet, but Richie's probably the other sellable asset. I mean, that's not... It's not a great situation where you're going to have to sell one of the players you're building your team around because all the other players are on loan or in different contractual spaces. So that that worries me as well just the moment like what are we really yes i mean cairo said today that when we finished 7th under ventura we had the same number of points at this stage of the season but it's it, it that that doesn't really mean it that doesn't really mean anything we might and the quality, really need the quality of the yeah. league was a lot worse then yeah i mean i think the middle class of the league is a bit stronger this season than last season and also because the teams at the bottom there's some horrendous teams at the bottom but yeah, we only need 11 points in the last eight games to match last season's points tally, which on the on a kind of our points per game now should be feasible. But we're not going to look back at it as a, yeah, I mean, we've not even put together three wins. You know, we've not scored more than three goals. It's just, it's kind of painfully quite dull. And, and there's always part of you as a Torino's fan, and it's like, well, be careful what you wish for, because next season, Juric could be gone and... And you, the, you know, you have lower quality of of player on loan coming in because we're not going to buy anyone. But yeah, there's plenty of opportunities in the last couple of seasons where we should have built on progress. And um, and I think yeah, I think the next eight games may also tell us well. You, it might crystallise a bit more where Urich is at fault and where where the club are at fault, but. Yeah, I kind of, I just don't see a lot of synergy anywhere, really. Yeah, and I think that is, it's that frustration. I think if you could see a clear plan, if if we almost were like, okay, well, we aren't going to get into Europe, we're not going to get relegated, let's actually just build for the future and actually let's stop playing these players on loan who are unlikely to come back. What's the difference? Like, uh, go back to the Adopo point, you, okay, you don't think he's going to uh, sign a new contract. Can you blame him? Because he isn't getting any game time. You'd rather play in a, a 19-year-old in, in Genetis or playing Vlasic out of position. And then, yeah, if you actually actually try and build for the future, try and, try and build your younger players rather than playing people out of positions, people who, aren't, who definitely aren't going to be here next season. Um, I just think it's a very... I think the fans would be a lot more sympathetic if actually, yeah, we were just trying to play from Primavera who were having a good season or we were sort of playing our younger players and be like, actually, yeah, let's give these a go because actually they're hungry. They're actually, rather than watch Voivoda do the exact same thing at his first appearance in a while and be like pretty terrible. And his consequence of that is he plays the full game. Like, well, he played, he played the full game because Singo was, uh, Voivoda impacted the game. Uh, and I think he did some good things and some bad things. Singo was invisible. And I, I, I'd love to see Lazaro's heat map when he came. I don't think he moved. I think he stayed on the same, almost like a postage stamp space. It was really disappointed with Lazaro when he came on. Um, whereas at least Voivoda showed some energy. Um, 
which yeah i mean there was the kind of a lot of mistakes in that performance but yeah the the, the, the team's low on quality like we're reliant on you know Moranchuk unfortunately just doesn't um doesn't show his talent enough but it was enough to get us a draw against Salernitana but yeah it's just there's a kind of lack of quality there as well yeah and i think and i think in the last eight games what what are we wanting to see i think ideally a little bit of progress finishing as high in the table as possible we're still not a million miles away from those sort of from that seventh place or which could potentially be a sort of a european place again we'd have to have an unbelievable end to the season but we play three of the bottom four i think so it's not out of the question that if we get a couple of back-to-back victories say we beat say we somehow go to lazio and win then we've got Atalanta, we've got home game then we go to Stamp. Again, could that be probably be the in in true Torino fashion? You can see us getting a result against Lazio, see us getting a result against Atalanta, and then losing to Stamp. Yeah, I never like it when Torino have us three games in the week because we're never we'll never win three in a row. Uh, especially, yeah, it's just yeah. Sun, uh, Sunday was just yeah, it was just left you feeling a bit kind of. Uh, yeah, a bit kind of disappointed to be honest. Um, and I would have liked to, I'd have, in that situation, I would like to have seen Urich do something a little bit different, whether to go to four at the back, uh, whether to, as I said, put Pellegrini and Sanabria on for a bit. But it's the, the, the kind of like for like thing just makes us very predictable to the opposition. I'm not sure if um, Pellegrini picked up an injury in the warm up, you'd be shocked to hear, but I, he actually I, he actually played okay when he came in against Roma, so I got the feeling that he wasn't fit. I saw he had his hair cut, but maybe he just got injured doing that. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, so this Saturday evening, in that, uh, we go to Lazio, where it's not our record's terrible, but we've won one in the last 10 there. And oh, also, just, just a quick question um, on our opponents on the weekend. Other than Juventus, most unlikable team in the league? Team or club or uh, club, you... yeah, club. I mean, because obviously I know I've had my I've had my little pops at Sassuolo in the past, but not particularly offensive. Um, Monza potentially maybe as well, but again, I don't think you're gonna find a Monza fan. Yeah, even, um, even in Monza, I find Lazio as a team a strange one because under Lotito they just see. I know it's probably not true. They seem to have had the same team for a long time. Uh, they're doing very well this season. I, I and I do, I do really like Sari. I like him from his Empoli days. And I like the fact that when he, we brought his Empoli team to Turin, he took them up to Spurger. Um And yeah, I, it was a little bit of shame, obviously, he went to Juventus and obviously he's gone on to have a, a decent career because I would have loved I, to see him as a Torino coach. Yeah, I don't think he ever was... He'd never looked like a natural Juventus coach. Um but I also talking to Sari, I also thought our record against Sari doesn't seem to be very good, and it isn't. We've won one in fifteen, and that was—I don't even remember this—but he apparently coached Pescara in '05, and we we won away two 0 so long time ago. Um, he he was, I believe, was he the Empoli coach? Um, when Pedelli did it, had his infamous um own goal, and I think it was like a May two o'clock kickoff. Got a feeling he, that would have been a Sari's emperor. Yeah, it may well be. And the other protagonist of this fixture in recent years is 
is Chiro Immobile. Um, so there's been quite a lot of late drama. There was, a, I don't know if you remember, the 3-3 in when we were going for Europe. And then Immobile scored for Torino in the 89th minute. And then uh, we were playing against 10 men. And then some, somehow we let Candreva score in the fourth minute of injury time to equalise. I think Kobe's at, I've got a feeling I was at a Southampton game for that. That was um, Easter. I think a, it might have been Easter weekend game from May. Yeah, I was get, and I was getting notifications. And yeah, I think I got a notification with 3-2 up and obviously, yeah, didn't hold on. We, we've, um, yeah, when we had a similar, well, a similar sort of game at, a couple of seasons ago where might have even been, yeah, it must have been a couple of seasons ago where we were sort of 2-1 up at home and, and ended up losing 3-2. Well, we had two, didn't we, at home where we there was a three three, I think, and a four three we lost. There's an incredible way for Caicedo scored. Yeah. That was that was Jack- a lot, I think. I think Lukic yeah, Lukic Jack- scored Power. yeah, Lukic scored to put a two one up and then um we somehow managed to lose three two. Um but yeah, Immobile has managed to get sent off in this fixture in, in the one we won where Rincon and Edera scored and the Mihailovic three one win. He missed the penalty, which we heard earlier. Uh he scored with the last touch of the game pretty much last season when we were really good when Pellegri scored um, and then he scored a, cu- a couple of goals for Lazio in his fixture he will not play barring a miracle I think this weekend because he was pretty lucky I think all things considered in the car, car accident he had on the weekend um, so I think he's yeah I think he'll be out for a few weeks um, but yeah the Lazio are Remind me of Napoli a little bit in the way they play um, and a sort of, yeah, sort of team that gives us a lot of trouble because they're tactically quite quite flexible, quite pacey. Um, I think what I'm leading on to is Torino just don't really seem to have any form at the moment. Um, and I can't be too optimistic about Saturday night, I'm afraid. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think... Lazio won the last four. If you go a little bit further back, I think in the league they've probably won six or seven uh, of their last eight games. I think there's only a draw against Bologna in there. So I can't, I can't see it. See Torino um, winning. I, I could possibly maybe push me possibly a draw, but if we can pull up a similar performance than we did last season. But again, sometimes Torino can just pull out a, a result from out of nowhere. Um, I think Lazio probably almost secure now for the Champions League. They're not going to obviously not go catch Napoli, so maybe a little com- bit of complacency can can fall in. It is the the Milinkovic Savic derby, obviously. So um, I prepare for that narrative. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I wonder. Should we? I'm not sure whether we should just skip the predictions and just guess which minute that will get mentioned by the well, I think, I think. Oh, I actually, think then you... we missed the first 15 minutes. So how would it... Because yeah. it's the five o'clock Saturday kickoff. So I assume that they just won't be able to mention it. Well, it's the second bingo for when the commentator says, and Vanya is actually the younger brother. <laughs> <laughs> because miraculously, you can be taller, but be younger. <laughs> um yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm going three nil Lazio. I think we'll get. I think we're going to get pummeled and uh, or hammered on on Saturday evening. Um, not I, weirdly because one of the. Few, I, I'm guessing. I don't know how long Richie's going to be out for, but it's one of the few times we're almost going to be at a full quota in terms of players this season. Um, but yeah, I'm just not not feeling very optimistic based on what I've seen in the last few matches. 
I'll go more optimistic um, and I'll go for a nil-nil draw. Nil-nil draw in Rome. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you were the one who predicted a 4-0 win against Roma. You, I, I, a, couple of, a couple of weeks may have passed, but I didn't want, I didn't yeah, want to let that pass on the my, um <laughs> I think... I think after um, after the, the after the balance penalty, after what say seven minutes in, I, I did turn to my fiance and say, I "Guess my four nil's not going to happen." <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think that was more in more in hope. But yeah, my terrible record watching Torino live is has continued, and yeah, I, probably best I don't give any more outlandish predictions. But yeah, I feel with um, yeah, you predict. I, I do think we probably will lose, but. I'll try and claw back a points maybe if we can if we can get a draw somehow. Very good. Well, yeah, just to let people know, uh, we'll be back next week. We actually got a few guests um lined up. Miraculously enough, you'll 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 hear some other voices on the pod over the next uh next few weeks. I, so, I did um, forget to ask Christian Molinaro, but maybe next well, time. I, got, oh, I didn't want you to ruin the surprise <laughs> for everybody, but yeah, uh but with Superga coming up, the Superga anniversary, we've got a Hopefully a special guest lined up for that. And then uh, somebody else a few weeks later as well. So um, should be fun. And in the meantime, um, Rob's off to what, you get your picture of Christian, Ar- Christian Molinaro blown up for your, your living room. And uh, yeah, how, are you? Are you um, was there a lot of pasta consumed in Italy as well? Uh, yeah, quite, quite a bit of quite a bit of pasta, quite a bit of um, pizza. Obviously, the the aperos, as we've mentioned earlier. But I did uh, quite impressively. I didn't put on as much weight as I thought I was, and managed to play football yesterday and scored a very similar finish um, to Snabry actually. Um, so yeah, took it. To, the ball three wasn't quite Moranchik esque, but yeah, no. Just again, anybody anybody listening to this podcast, I'm guessing is either. Italian spent some time in Italy, got an affection for Italy, and yeah, just would always recommend if you get the opportunity to go eat to a Torino game, go to the go to the country at all. It is just uh, they've definitely got thing a lot of things right about that that culture and 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 how people live in Italy and and even the fo- the football culture is is one part of it, and that's what I think a lot of us as Torino fans we we go over and we enjoy the football, but I don't think if if the country wasn't as sort of as beautiful as it is and, and the people is as, as nice as they are I don't think that would almost whether the, the attraction would still be there as much um, so yeah just trying to uh, think of our, our, my next trip to, to go and watch 3-0 lose again well there's, there is there is talk doing the rounds that it could be we could be doing a Talking Toro special trip at some point maybe next season um, with the two of us um, you need to try and do that before the um before the uh, second half of the season, where we uh, just crumble and uh, settle for twelfth or thirteenth, yeah, it'll definitely, it will definitely have to be, um, yeah, pre-Christmas before things go south. But yeah, we'll uh, that's one for the future. Um, but in the meantime, have a good week. Uh, we'll be back post Lazio um, for Totoro. For Totoro. <laughs>